Yo, how is it going, Bears fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Bear Down Podcast, where we talk everything Bears every day of the week. I am your host, Chris Malpe, and today I'm joined by my co-hosts, Zach Rimbos and Jalen McClinton. How's it going, guys? Going great. How are you? Going great, going great. I'm doing pretty good, you know. A pretty, pretty chilly day in suburban Chicago today. But we are joined by a very special guest today. He's an insider and analyst at ESPN. He's also helped at places like Yahoo throughout his career. He's a contributor to ESPN's Daily Wager, host of the Pull-Up Pod alongside CJ McCollum. Welcome to the show, Jordan Schultz. Hey guys, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. Absolutely. So with Jordan today, you know, he's not quite the Bears fan. You'll, you'll find out soon what f- team he's a fan of, but we're going to be talking a little bit about football and some other stuff that he's got going on. So let's right, hop right into it. Jordan, we've been talking recently since you, you somehow found me on Instagram, which which has been pretty cool. But but uh, you're, you're a Seahawks fan, and the Bears have had many memorable battles with the Seahawks throughout time, both teams from the NFC. Both teams from the NFC. As a Seahawks fan, do you have a general respect for Chicago football? Yeah, I mean, first of all, Seahawks fan is uh... – I am a Seahawks fan at heart, but I've had to lose a lot of that throughout the years just because of being in the business, and it's hard to root for one team. But that being said, yes, I have some allegiances. So, yeah, I mean, when I was growing up, the Bears weren't particularly great. Yeah. But yeah. That, that, that one year with Rex Grossman when he went to the Super Bowl and played the Saints, or was it the, the Colts? It was the Colts, Colts, yeah. 2006. Yeah, that, that year, I loved that team because of the defense, and everybody wanted to compare them to the 85 Bears, and I just thought they were their, their own entity, and, and they were really fun to watch. And, you know, Grossman was, for all, with all due respect, you know, probably <laughs> one of the least effective quarterbacks in history to ever go to a Super Bowl. No kidding. And uh, that team was really fun to watch. That was my favorite Bears team. Uh, what were your initial thoughts when the Bears brought in Nick Flores this offseason, uh, and do you see him winning the job in Chicago week one? Yeah, I, I liked it right away. I mean, you know, talking about someone that is extremely well respected. He went to Jacksonville, got hurt, and that's kind of been the M.O. for his whole career. He's never really been able to stay healthy, but mm-hmm. I think Nick Foles, to me, should be the starter. The issue is that when you draft Trubisky at two and you give up what Ryan Pace gave up, Suddenly, he, you, know, you have some allegiance to him. But I think the fact that they're willing, or we just saw the news that you're not going to pick up the fifth year, now suddenly you can see full starting. So whether or not he starts the first, let's say, month remains to be seen. I would imagine it's a risky, but I think the last second half of the season, last third of the season, a lot of Nick Foles. And it's really it's a big year for, for Ryan Pace. And I think, you know, two years ago, obviously. We're very good, went to the playoffs, and we, we saw a lot of progress for Trubisky. And last year, he really regressed. He started week one against Green Bay. He never really found the rhythm. So, uh-huh. I'd like to pick up, and I don't know if Dick Foles is the future of the Bears, but he at least gives you some stability. And that's basically what Carolina's looking for with Bridgewater and the Chargers with Taylor. You know, these kind of veteran quarterbacks that won't really beat you and can bring leadership. Mm-hmm. 
right, so um, <clears throat> right before the show, you were talking about you know you being from, from yeah being from Seattle and how you you know you watched the Seattle's growing up. So my first question is, you know, uh, in the off season we signed Jimmy Graham, who used to play for the Seattle Seahawks from yeah. 2015 to 2017. You know, he obviously is getting up there at age at 33. So what do you see? What do you expect uh, for him to bring to Chicago Bears, being the tight end, you know, mentoring Cole Komet and stuff like that? Yeah, I was I was actually really surprised. I didn't love the Jimmy Graham signing. You know, if you if we watch him if we watch him going back the last few years, you know, he's not been the same guy. You know, he he, he really never found his role, a, a permanent role in Seattle's offense. And that's not all on him. Part of that was on Bevel, but then he goes to Green Bay and he's kind of like a hit or miss inside the twenties guy. Yeah. But he's still he, he in theory, you know, he can still be an effective red zone target. And, you know, obviously Trey Burton had his own issues, so the fact that he's gone, then you bring in Mitch and Cole Kibbit. Like, I, I, I said before the draft, Cole Kibbit was going to be a pro bowler. I, I really liked him. Sweet. Um, I, talked to, I was talking to Brandon Wimbush, who was his quarterback for a year or so, and he said Cole Kibbit is one of the best athletes he's ever seen. He was a great uh, baseball, basketball player, and also, you know, he can really run. And and you look at what the Bears want to do; like they want to be fast and be mobile and nimble, and that's what Cole Komet can do for you. So I like that pickup, and I think Graham could help him in theory. Sure. Yeah. So Jordan, we talked a little bit this morning. You know, it's actually funny to find out that you went to Occidental College because that hits very close to home, considering it was one of my top two schools, and I visited there a couple times. But Where I, you go? Where you I go to DePaul University. It's a school in Indiana. DePaul, yeah, I know DePaul. Yeah, um, but but you said in an interview with Occidental that I dug up. This must have been from years ago. I'm not going to ask when, out of respect for you. But you said that you had aspirations of working for a company like an ESPN, and it's really cool to see that you've accomplished that years later. So, what has it been like working for the company that you and so many others grew up dreaming of working for? Yeah, I think that interview was. Uh probably my, my junior year of college, so maybe 11 years ago or something. That's crazy you found that. <laughs> um, and that was from the basketball. So I started at Seattle U, and I started there, and then I went to Occidental, and I really liked the school. Um, in terms of ESPN, you know, I, I knew from a really young age that that's where I wanted to be. And yeah, I, I thought, I thought you know, that this is where I need to go, and I had no idea how to get there. But... I think over the last 10 years, I'm, you know, I just turned 34, so been out of college about a decade. I think the last 10 years, it's been quite a journey. And then a year and a half ago, I got the opportunity to ESPN, and like you, like you were just saying, that, that's, that was like for me the pinnacle or the apex, whatever you want to call it. And I just thought, what a, what a crazy thing, because I remembered as a kid when I was 10, 11, 12, through high school, Telling all my friends, I'm going to play basketball in college, and then I'm going to play overseas, which I didn't do, but then I'm going to go to ESPN. Everybody used to laugh at me, and uh, look at you now. You know, they, they all knew. They all knew I really wanted to do it, but a lot of people thought I was crazy. And you know, it's been an incredible place to work. And also, you know, what's crazy too is like I uh, I never really knew when it would happen, but I always just kind of assumed it would, and that fate would work itself out. But I got to be honest, throughout those ten years especially the first five or six years, I, I had a lot of doubts that it would happen. Mm. So to expand on that, uh, we at Bear Down are, are all college students and younger aspiring to get into the sports industry somehow. 
Uh, you majored in American studies and played college basketball, like you said, and uh, you also aspired to be a sports journalist growing up, as you covered before. Um, how important were academics for you growing up, growing up as a student athlete, and were you able to find a good balance between the two? Yeah, I struggled in school. Like, the same kind of thing, you know, where, like, I, I really, I, I knew I had to get good grades, guys, but, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part, I really struggled, especially with math and science. Like, I was a terrible student when it came to math and science, but I really focused on the writing aspects, and I, I felt like if I could become a really good writer, that could open up some doors. So, yeah. I think about my... Probably my freshman year of high school, I made the varsity as a freshman, and my parents said I wouldn't be able to play if I didn't basically get a 3.0. And so that put a lot of pressure on me, and I remember being like, all right, I have to do this now because if I don't play basketball, I'll be miserable, you know? And so after that, I I took school seriously, but I took it seriously with the subjects I really cared about. I made sure that I did okay in the other ones, but when it came to English and speech class and some of those classes, Mm -hmm. especially in college, I really locked in with it. And I used basketball as a tool and a platform to to help me, you know, and and I always felt like I did better during basketball season because I was so focused on practice, games, travel, and then school, you know, it was kind of like a routine. Yeah. And usually in the spring, I actually didn't do as well as in school. So to answer your question, I think I was a decent student, but I was really good and effective uh, really good and excited to do the writing classes, and I think that helped me a lot. Cool. It's a great story. But I was not a great lot. student, by any stretch. <laughs> make, make that very clear. I was not a great student. <laughs> Definitely. So, uh, staying on your childhood, you grew up in Seattle, which is, you know, known for their Starbucks. And So, what was, can you like, explain to us, what was it like growing up in the Emerald City, and there, is, is there a coffee house grill? Yeah, there's like, uh, I don't know, it seems like there's a, there's a, there's a coffee house on every street corner, sometimes two or three. Wow. And, and I, I, yeah, I mean, I bury myself in, within basketball. Like, like I said, I, I, I did what I needed to do in school. I focused on what I loved. But when it came to basketball, I was in the gym every single day. And I was fortunate enough to have a really good high school career. And um, my AAU program had lottery picks in it. And Brendan Roy was an all-NBA player. I grew up playing against him. So I, I was exposed really early on. Like elite basketball, and I think being around athletes and being around high-level coaches help prepare me for this job. You know, and what yeah. it takes to prepare and what it takes to uh, to become great, whatever you do. Yeah. So obviously, one of the more important things you seem to do these days is hosting the pull-up pod with with Trailblazers star CJ McCollum. Something that seems super cool. What's it like working alongside a marquee NBA name like CJ? So I, I, I pitch myself. We've been doing it for over two years. We've had over 100 episodes. You know, we we just got nominated for the Webby, which is cool. So go ahead and vote for us if you, if you can. Definitely will do. Uh, one best sports spots in 2019, and he's one of those guys. You know that like, everything CJ does has a purpose. He doesn't waste time. It's kind of like his game. He doesn't really waste any motion. It's very methodical and deliberate, and that's how he is. And we we had we had been friends for a long time. Before the podcast, but once we started doing the pod, it really, you know, he, he became one of my closest friends, and I got to see firsthand the work he puts in. And the, like in the summer, for example, he'll, he'll get off a plane from Portland or Ohio 
and go straight to the gym for three and a half hours. No Jeez. You know, it's just, it's, it's a mentality. And he was, I think I relate to him because he was not heavily recruited, was not necessarily, you know, certainly was not thought to be an NBA prospect. Had a few college offers, goes to Lehigh, and everybody remembers the Duke game. I kind of put him on the map. But I just, I love TJ as a person. And obviously, he's a hell of a player, but he's, he's a real friend, and it's been a pleasure. Yeah, so expanding on that, uh, you've had the chance to live stream with some cool athletes uh, recently, like Miles Turner of the Indiana Pacers. Uh, throughout your time on social media, what has been your coolest interaction uh, with any professional athlete? The, yeah, the live streams on Instagram have been really fun. I, I started that because it's like, what else are we going to do? You know, I didn't want to just sit around and basically. Yeah, no kidding. There's nothing to do. I started, started the show Hang Time on my Instagram, but only a couple weeks ago, so hopefully it'll. It'll keep growing. Um, it's a good question. I mean, we had D- I had DK Metcalf on. He was fantastic. Tyler Hero. Sweet. Um, Miles Turner was great. Jackson Hayes. But if you look at, like, the history of what I've done from a social media standpoint, I think the coolest thing in terms of, like, real interviews and being in the field was the boardroom. I did the, the boardroom with Kevin Durant. And Rich Simon and I got to go around the country, including Chicago, Gatorade headquarters. Sweet. And basically interview all these like marquee sports brands and ambassadors and general managers and find out what, what makes them tick and why. And that was unbelievable because then I would, you know, I, I remember like, I'm trying to think of an example, like when the when the Warriors, Warriors came and played the Nets, I think it was, and uh-huh. in, in Brooklyn a couple of years ago. And, I went to the game and afterward got together with, uh, I remember in the hall, in the hallway, KD came up to me. He was like, I really like it. I really like what you're doing. And that was like probably the coolest like validation I've ever gotten. Absolutely. As a, as a journalist or broadcaster because, you know, it really, it was like, I can't believe that KD's watching me on camera. <clears throat> Definitely. So, uh, with it, with it not being with it not being any sports going right now, due to you know a whole nationwide shutdown, and you working for ESPN, so have you enjoyed the last dance? You know, I'm us being from Chicago, and I'm pretty sure most of us as Bulls fans watching watching something that I never got to experience because I was born in the early 2000s, and I really didn't get to see Jordan play basketball other than highlight games. Okay, so talk talk to me about how you enjoyed the last dance. Uh, I loved it so much, guys. I mean. You guys being in Chicago and not having grown up seen him, you can imagine how special it was and how rare, you know, how unique he was and the impact uh-huh. he had. You know, I was at the um, I was at the '96 Finals when they beat the Sonics, and like, I remember thinking Michael Jordan was God. Like that's what I thought. You know, and um, seeing how all the issues they had internally and how, you know, Scotty was upset with his contract as we get the surgery. Michael's upset with the media. Phil's upset with Jerry Krause. Everyone's mad at Jerry Krause. And they contain all of that. That's what was not even mentioned. Dennis Rodman. Yeah. Went to Vegas for, <laughs> for, for supposed to be 48 hours. He ended up going way Vegas longer. Vacation. All of that. You know, to me, that's what's most impressive. Despite all of that in 97, 98, they're able to contain it and win a championship and go 6-0 in the finals. But also to see all this new footage that's from 20-plus years ago. Yeah. And to see the effect... That Michael had on the game, you know, he was so ahead of his time. Nobody was doing what he was doing, and to a degree, nobody ever will. But his style and his flair, that was very, very special, and it's so cool to relive it as a fan. 
I mean, I don't think I've ever seen my dad get more intrigued about watching something on ESPN than this ever, even if it's a Bears game. No kidding. Yeah, I mean, your dad was probably... My dad was, I think my age, like 19. Yeah. So, recently, you know, one of your colleagues, Ryan Clark, said online that he doesn't believe that Bears wide receiver Allen Robinson is a true number one. Robinson has done pretty well with quarterbacks that probably aren't the greatest, like Trubisky and Blake Bortles throughout his time in the league. You know, last year he had 98 receptions, over 1,100 yards, and seven touchdowns. So I want to ask your thoughts on Allen Robinson. Do you think he's true wide receiver one material? Yes. Yeah, Allen Robinson is – that guy's a monster, man. I mean, I love Ryan Clark, but I know that he – I mean, he, he had a cover guy like Allen Robinson, so I I would defer to him a lot. But Allen Robinson is a monster. He's everything you want in a receiver. I mean, I remember he was coming out of Penn State and uh, loved him then. And, you know, I think the reason he doesn't get the same – Respect per se is like a true number one is because first of all he's played on bad teams like you said he's had bad quarterbacks but he just seems to make every play you know and I don't know but there's a there's a fluidity and a smoothness to Allen that almost makes sometimes it looks like he's not even trying because he's so he's just really talented and he doesn't have he's not like a you know a true burner like a Hollywood Brown kind of yeah. Kind of one and done player, but in terms of production, uh, he he blocks. He he doesn't come out of the game. You mentioned the ninety eight catches. I think he's one of the most sure handed guys. Uh, no drama. I, I love Allen Robinson. I think he's the number one receiver. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree. So staying on football, how do you think the NFC plays out in twenty twenty? And could you give us your prediction for the seven teams that make the playoffs? Oh man. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit of putting you on the spot there. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I think Tampa Bay is so intriguing because obviously Brady and Gronk, when you think about Jack Barrett and JPP and secondary is really young and better. Obviously, all the weapons and Godwin and Evans and Ray and Howard, it just goes on and on. So I, I, that division to me with New Orleans, I think Atlanta will be better and really excited to see Tampa. Yeah. Um, the NFC West to me is the best division of football. I, I just think. Arizona, you think about they have Hopkins, we know what Murray can do. Kirk and Fitzgerald are really good. Uh-huh. This is good. When you think about San Francisco, John Lynch, I thought, ace draft. And I just, I, the Niners to me are like, I don't know, I, I feel like they're so well set up for the next few years. So, yeah. And then Seattle, you know, Seattle and in LA. But all, every one of those, like, if, if you told me Arizona won, would win nine games, I wouldn't be surprised. So, I think that division is going to dictate a lot. Um, you know, I'm really fascinated by your division in the North. Like, you know, Aaron Rodgers is one game away from the Super Bowl. They draft Jordan Love. What is that going to do? Is that going to motivate him? Because his numbers the last three years have declined. He's still really good. He's not what he was. But that motivated him. Um, the Bears were in the playoffs two years ago. The Vikings get rid of Diggs. It was a headache for Mike Zimmer. And now they bring in Jordan Jefferson, who's a monster. Uh-huh. Uh, Justin Jefferson. And yeah. now they pair it with Thielen and Cook. So uh, the NFC is just loaded. If you ask me who my playoff teams, seven teams, I would probably say Seattle, Tampa, New Orleans, Minnesota, San Francisco, Green Bay, and uh. <laughs> I guess it would probably be Dallas. 
Oh man, uh, that doesn't wow. sit well with Bears fans. You know what? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah. I would like to see them take a big step, so maybe I'll have to live with the Giants. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the Giants are looking interesting. I'm sorry, fellas. I got to see more from the quarterback. I mean, I think it does all come down to quarterback play in Chicago, you know. It's really going to depend if Foles can do it with a team that is in Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, Foles Foles is definitely capable, but if you look at historically, other than the one season, he went 27 2 with the two, two picks. He. He's really good at the end of the season. Let, let me see him do it for yeah. a whole year. All right, I've got one more question for you. You know, obviously, earlier we mentioned that all of us are in college wanting to one day go into some yeah, facet. Yeah, I go to DePaul, and then Zach, who also is on this phone, goes to DePaul, University funny enough. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, still a, I'm, I'm still in high school. So, we got to. I love what you're doing, man. This is great. Appreciate it. So. Well, that's really good because really the next question, obviously some of us, we got writers behind the scenes, editors, a ton of people who do a ton of different things. So I want to ask you, what advice do you have for children or young adults who want to enter sports media one day? Yeah, I get this question a lot, and it's it's obviously you're going to get different answers from different people. For me, I think you know, the younger you start, the better. Identify what you're good at, what you want to do, and then I think reading is really important. Reading Becoming a voracious reader, you know, reading, um, getting your sentence structure, expanding your vocabulary, and I think also, just if you can, if you can find a way to watch the game. You guys are all football guys, so try to try to see the game from ten thousand feet instead of from on the field. What I mean by that is like, don't just watch the ball. You know, watch what the linemen are doing. Yeah. Try to understand schemes. If you can get a grip on that. At your age, especially, you'll be so far ahead of the curve. It'll be crazy. Like that's that's what I did as a young kid with basketball. I really started to understand offenses and, and specifically for defenses, but specifically offensive schemes, spacing, yeah, all of that. And that, that played a big role for me. So you know that that would be the big thing. Also, I think internships are really important. And then I think just think reps, like what you're doing right now with this podcast, getting reps. Yeah, how to interview how to. How to prepare, and then also how to respond in real time with to be okay that the interview is going to change directions. Uh-huh. That's really important. If you have, if, if any of your listeners, you guys have questions more specific, just reach out to me on DM on Instagram, Jordan Schultz, and I'll, I'll get back to you guys. No question about it. That'll pretty awesome, much do man. it for us, dude. Jordan Schultz, thank you very much for joining us today. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. If you would like to see more from Jordan, you can go check out at Jordan Schultz on Instagram, as he mentioned. Also, Schultz underscore report on Twitter. You can also listen to the Pull Up Pod on Apple Podcasts, over 100 episodes, as he said. You can find more content from us on our website, BeardDown.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter, at BeardDown. And you can find the links to the rest of our social media down in the description. Zach and Jalen, any last words? Uh, we just hit one one point two k on YouTube, uh, so we're appreciative of that. Uh, looking to keep going here, so I'm excited about that. Uh, make sure you guys are staying safe. You know, practice social distancing. Um, and bear down. Absolutely, man. Jordan, I'm going to come back to you if and when the Bears make the playoffs, man. Hundred <laughs> percent. I would love to be 
Awesome. Well, that'll pretty much do it for this one. Awesome. Sounds good. So you heard it from him. Jordan Schultz will be coming back on if the Bears make the playoffs. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. And as always, Chicago, stay safe and bear down. Peace.